Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of In the Spirit of Horse. This week, I have a very special guest. It's Nina Polo. You guys might know her from last season. We did a couple episodes. She is an amazing horsewoman, and uh, she also teaches yoga and meditation and mindfulness and therapy with horses. She's overall just an incredible human being and one of my absolute best friends. So here we go. We're going to jump right in. Me, 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 me. <laughs> exactly. Like, do my voice for I feel like there probably are ways that, like, I was about to say real podcasters, but um, <laughs> you're real. imposter syndrome. You're a real girl. <laughs> real podcasters, like, warm up their voices. Yeah. And, like, I should have taken a sip probably. of water. Some real yoga teachers do that, too. <laughs> Good for teaching. Mm-hmm. Well, my throat does feel a little scratchy, but I think it's okay. It's going to be good. It's going to be good. We'll just add to the sex appeal of this, <laughs> this podcast. Nice and raspy. <laughs> I love you, Nina. I love you. <laughs> so today, Nina and I, are we want to talk about when to speak up or when it's appropriate, especially in the horse world. I guess it's not more, it's not really when it's appropriate, but when the time to speak up occurs wow that was a real nice sentence <laughs> we have to get warmed up i'm i, I promise i have real topics <laughs> we have real conversations we do we've been having a conversation all day that's true like normal humans like normal humans yeah but yeah so what's really amazing is nina and i actually just went and we picked up her it's not her first horse but kind of basically your first like horse kind of yeah I mean I would say the the first horse I had was when I was very young I think I was maybe seven six or seven and I had been already asking my parents for years and maybe I was like eight I don't know but I had this horse and he um I obviously did know I didn't know anything about keeping a horse and he was like uh in Costa Rica they call them topes um which is uh where they do what do they call them here like where the the, oh the dancing horses like charo yeah like charo horses um and he was somebody's horse that we knew and they wanted to sell him and we got him and he lived in our backyard Oh my god, that's a dream. Yeah. When you're a kid too. It was really sweet because I would be sitting at the kitchen table and I would look outside and I could actually see him. And I think I really loved him. Um, And then one day my dad was giving him a bath and he kicked my dad. Oh no. (laughs) I know. And then my dad decided, because I didn't really know... I was a tiny kid, so I didn't really know how to care for this horse, that um, we were going to find him a new home. So my parents found him a new home. Because they didn't want him to kick you. Yeah. Yeah. I think they were a little nervous that um, maybe this horse wasn't super safe for us. Yeah. You know, that didn't have um, that type of 
knowledge yeah, onto how to care for him. And my dad, too, you know, he came from... So my dad grew up in Panama, and so he came from uh, a ranch, a dairy ranch. Mm-hmm. And there was um, horses, and they were all, you know, quote-unquote work horses mm-hmm. that were treated pretty roughly and my dad is a very compassionate person um who had to work a lot in order to find different ways of dealing with anger and frustration than to um be physically violent Mm. so i think he also, you know, didn't want to do anything to hurt the horse. So he decided that um, we were going to find him a new place. Man, that's actually really, like, mature. Like, obviously your dad was mature, but to to know that, like, in not knowing what to do, you could get physical. Because mm-hmm. I feel like that happens a lot. Um, even, like, with me, if it's a situation where... I'm scared and I might not know what to do. Like my first reaction might be to, you know, just kind of strike out out of like fear and feeling like necessity. Yeah. And I think that's kind of a normal response in a way. I think so too. I mean, if you're around horses, there's a high chance that at some point a horse is going to maybe, you know, nibble at you or give you a little bite or something and I I've definitely you know been in that situation and felt my arm just jerk out yeah. of immediate reaction um and hopefully you know we learn to be less reactive and find ways to ask with curiosity what's happening and why is the horse maybe biting right um but it takes it takes a lot of untraining to do, I think, to to get to that place. And I know for my dad, I've never specifically really talked to him about this with regards to animals, but I know he really had to work on, you know, not hitting us as children, me and my brother, um, because he was beat up a lot as a kid and he was the oldest of 10 so he was made the example for a lot of things Mm and um he really wanted to break that cycle so you know he did a lot of work wow your dad yeah because that's a hard cycle to break I think so I think it really is because that knee-jerk reaction if that's how you've been treated or that's been the way because you can only imagine as a parent too like the amount of frustration that sometimes comes out in the same way that I think it can happen with animals yeah where you just kind of don't know what to do so you go back to what you've been taught or what you've been um what you've experienced I think that takes a lot of like serious mindfulness I would agree yeah he would um take walks if he got frustrated if he got heated he would go on a walk so that he could calm himself down and then come back. That's a good strategy with horses too, actually. I think that's kind of one of the first things 
that when I, you know, like I'm not a high tempered person, but when I started noticing when I was kind of going through my first unbreaking period with Annie, that if there was any place in my life that I felt like kind of entitled to my frustration, it might be with a horse, Mm -hmm. you know, because there's fear involved. So feeling threatened, I might, like, I, I remember this one time I feel really, really terrible about where, um, I was riding Annie and something wasn't working right, you know, in the quote unquote working. Mm-hmm. And I thought in my head, like she was being disrespectful or like she was, um, not listening to me on purpose. And I was taking it so purpose or so personally versus she was obviously confused and also, you know, I'm on her back. It's her space. And that's how I see it now. But at the time, because I was associating it with respect, mm-hmm. um, I got off and I like yanked down on her bit, like in anger and felt like in that moment, very entitled to doing that. And then after scaring her so badly and obviously hurting her too, mm-hmm. I realized like that was the moment where I was kind of like, something needs to change in my relationship to anger with horses or frustration. Um, cause I, it was like a really scarring moment. Like I did it and I felt entitled at the, in the heat of it, but then immediately after kind of felt monstrous. Yeah. I relate to that so much. I think there's been so many moments and there is still moments in which I can feel that reactivity mm-hmm. wanting to come out immediately. Um, and thankfully now I think we, we have more of an awareness of yeah. that. Um, but I, I've done many, many things that I, you know, that I regret doing um, in the sense that Yeah, like where I've hurt, you know, an animal um, because of my reactivity. Um, And I know I have compassion for myself. I know I didn't know better. You know, you didn't know better. Um, And we've come a long way, I think, from there, hopefully. (laughs) (laughs) But I really, I really... I really think that there is a gift in the fact that we both have experienced that Mm -hmm. because that way we can also, you know, approach people who maybe are questioning, you know, the way that they have been around horses and what they've been taught around horses and who are looking to maybe find something that feels more like partnership And know that they're also coming from, you know, a genuine place of wanting to connect. And rather than than having judgment, you know, for how people treat animals, oftentimes. I feel that a lot. I feel that it actually helps have, like, to give me compassion for other people a lot more because I also like I can feel the reactivity when I'm scared yes peak yeah like hi if I'm feeling overwhelmed by a horse like there is an urge that wants to just 
you know, lash out or, um, yeah, throw a hand up or something, you know? Yeah. And now it's usually always out of fear. And I think that, you know, before when it would come out of frustration or anger at the base of it, there's fear. fear. Yeah. Yeah. And it's interesting because actually it kind of reminds me of when we were picking up Luna, you know, being able to see a situation where it, it was just a lot of like reacting in fear. And I think you and I both can also have a lot of compassion for that because I know I've been there and, and obviously you have, and we all have, I think yeah. anyone who's been like, I think trained with horses probably has some mm-hmm. and probably everyone, you know, if there's any fear that peaks up, yeah, you know, unless you're maybe born running wild with the horses and never had any fear. <laughs> I don't know if that ever I don't know happens. if that exists. I don't know. But if there's anybody out there who grew up like that, come say hi. Hit us up. <laughs> Not literally, but like send us those deeds. <laughs> send us the deeds. Tell us. Share your wisdom. That was actually the the taking the walk like you were saying your dad did that was one of the first steps I started to do that was different Hmm. Um, because I I kind of realized that in when I would hit those fear places was usually when I didn't know what to do. Yeah. And in that reaction place, I also couldn't make very good decisions. So I started whenever I was getting angry or getting fearful to just leave the arena or leave my horse, which I think in the beginning is a little hard because we almost have this idea that if you leave, you're giving up yeah, or you're being weak and you're letting them win in some way or you're, yeah, that idea of like giving up and not like kind of getting back on the horse, even that idea Mm -hmm. made it so the thought of leaving the arena when I was getting frustrated versus working it out uh, felt a little counterintuitive. Yeah. But I think that really changed things so that when in the beginning, if I got frustrated, I'd leave, you know, go for five minutes. The horse would be okay in the arena. The horse gets some time too. And I come back and my reaction is always different when I come back because I'm not going to be coming back with my hand up and go smack them five minutes later, you know? Right. (laughs) Um, It wouldn't even cross your mind if you take that time. Yeah. And usually like, you know, you step back a ways and you see the situation so much more clearly and you don't end up doing something that you later regret or that kind of instills a fear in your horse or in you. Um, and on a very um, tangible. Well, I was thinking about, you know, when. It's really hard to do that, to take some time if you have if you're you know working with your horse on a halter and lead rope or they're all tied up or you're lunging them or you know anything like that um whereas when you're doing work at liberty you know there is there is space hopefully you have a space big enough where the horse can also take time to move away yes and where you can take time to just leave them um without it being this 
you know, hassle of, okay, well now I have to like take off the halter, do this, do that before it, you know, it would, it would kind of uh, interrupt the flow of moving away, taking time to process, coming back with a fresh perspective. Yeah. And I love what you said about like giving that to the horse too, because there are times like, obviously, sorry, just shifting. Obviously there are times where your horse is scared. You know, like spooking is common. And if you think about a horse feeling that similar fear, it's really beneficial for them, especially in the beginning too, to know that they have the space to go away and process if they need to and that they're not stuck in the situation. I actually think that working like on a halter and lead rope is a more advanced thing than working at Liberty because just thinking about, you know, if I'm walking a horse on a lead rope, like I I had to walk this one horse that is new here, um, back and forth from this pen and he started to spook a lot. And it was at that point that if we had been at Liberty, you know, he could spook and he could go off and I could have my time and he could have his time. But because we're on the lead rope, I was really happy for all the prep I've done to be able to stay calm in that situation, which I think I've built up a lot more of that over time through having more space at Liberty to like, you know, to calm anger with more space versus, you know, in the moment getting scared, but being able to kind of control that reactivity and, and stay really calm in that moment, I think is a muscle that I've built up. Yeah. I think this is, this is a good you know, setting the stage for the topic of, okay, when, when do we need to speak up when we see something that we consider unjust and having a base of understanding that, you know, we're all at a deep level. I think we're all acting, um, as to what we think is best. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, and having compassion for everybody who is involved, even the people who we think of as perpetrators or people who we think of as, you know, doing something wrong or mean or cruel even. Um, and it was interesting because Luna, so Luna's story and really all I knew about her when I met her about a year ago was that she was a wild Mustang. She got rounded up and she had some training by somebody who um, said she was too much horse. And then she ended up at a shelter. Yeah. <laughs> and maybe part of me related to that story. Um of being called too much. Um, But really, I just connected to her before even knowing that um, on a really deep level, I think somehow the moment I saw her, I knew that we were going to learn from each other. Mostly me from her, probably. (laughs) Ain't that just the way? (laughs) (laughs) yeah she's like 
she'll learn maybe some tricks, but <laughs> I'll, I'll learn some real life lessons. Yeah. And, um, and I started visiting her in Joshua Tree um, at the horse rescue where she was at. Um, and then I think maybe on my third or fourth visit, you came with me. Yeah. Yeah. I think kind of early. That was, it was pretty early. Um, and we just started maybe a little bit thinking about could we bring her home somehow. Um, and then a month ago, well, the first attempt was... First attempt's what we're talking about. <laughs> <laughs> the first attempt. The first attempt of getting Luna was interesting. It is interesting. I kind of love it because I do think of it as like Luna's first big lesson to us. Yes. And it was hard. It was a hard trip and it was hard leaving that first time. Yeah. But it talk about like a teaching moment. So what happened that first yeah. time? <laughs> what happened? Do you want to talk about it or? Yeah, I mean, okay. <laughs> so the first thing I'll say is that we naively went a bit unprepared. Yes, I think we were really focused on setting up the trailer and getting things coordinated and these kind of really logistical things that we didn't contemplate the idea that she was this wild Mustang that maybe wouldn't want to get in a trailer. <laughs> because the only time she's been in a trailer might have not been such a wonderful experience. Semi-traumatic, maybe. <laughs> so... Probably more like full-on traumatic. Probably. And so we went up and we were just, I think, hoping for the best and walked up to the trailer and she just stopped right in front of it and didn't go in. And she was nervous. She wasn't just stopping. She was like, saw it and not, not that pleased yeah. about it. Yeah. But. And I will say she's a very brave horse so yeah. i think she she approaches things even when she is nervous about them yeah but you could tell because her nature is so calm and steady that even something that for another horse wouldn't look so um wouldn't look like it was very scary for her to be even showing some signs of nerves um, was definitely an indicator that, you know, this wasn't going to be maybe her favorite thing. Yeah. And to me, because she is such a brave and confident and balanced horse, it was also a big indicator that she obviously has had experiences with the trailer that are not pleasant. Yeah. Because to me, it looked like she definitely knew what it was. Yeah. And she was not happy about it. Yeah. So the lady who runs the rescue, um, who I really like. Yeah, me too. She has a big heart and she really lets the horses be horses at the rescue. Um, it could be a bit chaotic maybe for some people's taste, 
but I appreciate the way the horses, you know, live and herd and they figure things out a little bit on their own and she doesn't interfere too much and I kind of like that. I really do too. It actually gave me a lot of inspiration her rescue for for the property I want to create because I think it's so clear that she obviously loves these horses yeah and cares for them and wants them to be so happy and also yeah lets them be horses and isn't micromanaging or controlling in a way that obviously works for that place you know they're all together there's some things in the pasture that we might not like want in the pasture as far as like moving around tables and things like that but but it really works and the horses are all healthy and happy and like really like living like horses. Yeah. More than most places. More yeah, more than most places. And she also I think has an approach to horse training that is very I'd say standard mm-hmm. maybe in the horse world. So her approach was to, you know, take Luna by the lead rope and start, you know, leading her up to the trailer and Luna got a bit more nervous. And then she had somebody hand her a whip that she just had in her hand and maybe lifted up. And that's when Luna just ran away. <laughs> freaked out ran away and went down the road into the desert (laughs) and this was an interesting moment for me because when we first brought luna out i think i just assumed like i'm going to put her on the trailer like i was like i'm gonna do my thing and nina and i will get her on the trailer and and you know and then she she's been caring for this horse the whole time and she says that she wants to load her up because she can get it done really quick. And that was like the interesting first moment where, you know, at this point we're on her property and, and I'm feeling very hesitant about it. Like I don't, not because I think, you know, that she's going to be abusive, but because I just know how typical trailer loading is and it's stressful on most horses. Yes. So at first I wanted to do it, but then we saw how nervous, you know, Luna was and, and she's basically like, I'll just get her on in like two seconds and this is how we do it here. And like, it kind of felt like, well, you know, if we, do we let her try when she's, you know, we're on her property and she wants to do it and it's kind of like her horse right now. And do we let her just put her on and, and then when we get home, you know, we'll do it our way. And that was kind of like the first, like in that situation, I'm still, I, I'm i not sure which, you know, what you do. Because sometimes I think there is a place for compromise when you need to get home and then you can do it your own way. But yeah. I'm still not sure like where the, like what I would do even if that situation came up again. Yeah. I mean, I think, um, I think if, if 
there was a similar situation, I would probably talk to the person in advance mm -hmm. and say, hey, here's what we want to do. We want to take a week to, um, you know, play with this horse around the trailer, get them used to it. Um, is that okay with you? And then, you know, when we load them up, we load them up, but we don't want to put like a time limit on it. Um, and just explain maybe our approach. Um, yeah. I think that we didn't know. Yeah. That's where we were underprepared because I think sometimes you imagine some, like you can believe someone, like I might have thought, well, like I was very resistant to kind of like letting that happen. But, you know, sometimes like a horse knows how to load and a person does it their one way. It takes two seconds. And, and then you say, okay, when we get home, we're going to like work on this because someone might not give you a week to work with the horse. Exactly. But Luna being like an amazing wild Mustang just was not she said no. gonna have it. She said no, strong. And she ran away down the desert. And um and the hard part then was because she had seen this whip and because she had felt this pressure, now we were kind of starting from a place of she was nervous about the trailer and oh yeah, like now I see what you guys are doing and and I'm not and, playing this game. Yeah. <laughs> Which then I was really amazed because we said, okay, um, she didn't really want to get her in the trailer anymore. And we were happy about that. And, and we said, we're going to try it, you know, our way and take some time and like get her to step up on her own or ha or ask Luna to step up. And obviously there's still the pressure of the time limit because we thought we had like a day to get her in because we'd yeah. planned this day not very well. <laughs> <laughs> and so we began. <laughs> and so we began. Although, wait, we came back the next morning. Yeah, we stayed. We stayed one night. We broke into your parents' house. <laughs> so basically we like decided to not use pressure because obviously like some horses I think you could have in that situation pressured them in and gotten it kind of done with but with Luna like that wasn't even close to the situation and we didn't really know that yet but she seemed to have a pretty adverse reaction to pressure so we started with like the liberty training and amazingly like I thought Luna came back around and was willing to work on this really traumatic thing yeah. super quickly yeah because she had just seen the whip she had just felt the pressure and yet we asked her if she'd come up you know without that and if she'd start working with us in yeah. it and she did she did she's so giving in that way um, and I felt very grateful that she would, you know, give us a, another chance. And she was doing really well, and we decided, okay, well, it's probably not going to happen tonight, so let's stay one night and come back in the morning, and we'll do it in the morning. So when we returned in the morning, the lady who runs the shelter said, oh, 
I thought about it, you guys. I understand what you're trying to do. We'll do it your way, but why don't you back up the trailer to this pen and then you can just, you know, then she'll be in a smaller pen. So we all thought, okay, great. I think we all had the sense that, oh, okay, well, we're all on the same page now. She understands, like, what we're trying to do. And as we um, set everything up, we had the trailer backed up into the to the pen. We had Luna in the pen. And we thought we were going to start just doing Liberty training to bring her in. Closer to her friends, too. Yes. Like, the big, the big thing I thought with that was we had the trailer before on the road and it kind of felt farther away from other horses. And we're asking her this kind of hard thing, you know, to get into this trailer alone, which normally I'd want to bring another horse along, but that just was not an option. Mm -hmm. So it felt like if she was surrounded by other horses, that I think that was kind of like our thought too, is that yeah. might help her yeah. feel calm. Yeah. And... As we had everything set up and we were, I think, getting ready to kind of start, the lady took over a little bit. Mm -hmm. And this is, I think, when the situation escalated quite quickly because mm -hmm. the lady went in the pen. She had the whip. She started putting pressure on Luna. Luna started immediately um, saying very clearly that pressure was not going to be the way by rearing and kicking. And at this point, I think what was going on for me was that I thought, oh shit. So now we have this horse who's aggravated. It's going to take a really long time for us to calm her down and like make her believe us that, you know, this is a good thing that we're trying to do. So we think, okay, so maybe, you know, maybe this lady does know how to get Luna in the trailer because she's known her for a year and, you know, she was there when she got off the trailer and she knows the person who had her before. So I'm kind of thinking, okay, maybe I just need to step aside, you know, and kind of close my eyes and let this happen and then we undo any you know damage um when we get home and we try to heal any any you know psychological damage that's been done but very quickly it escalated to a point where i felt it was unsafe for luna and it was unsafe for the woman who runs this shelter and that's when I think we stepped in and we said no yeah and I still like really feel it you know in yeah. my cells the... I felt it so strongly because it was it's you know it's 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 watching intensity built and built and built and um get to a place where energetically just feels so explosive and luna is brave 
She yeah. is, you know, she's saying no. And at the same time, as soon as the lady is not putting pressure on her, she's kind of standing there. Not, yeah. she's not running around frantically. She's just standing there. But she's also holding her ground. Yeah. And I have so much admiration for her. Yeah. I have so much respect and love for her. And that alone has been such a lesson for me, you know, of you can remain wild in your spirit, no matter what the walls are around you. Yeah. What a queen. What a queen. <laughs> what she a really queen. is. And the and how quickly she also forgave was in, was amazing. Incredible. Really was. So when we said no, I asked the lady, I said, listen, we can block out three days next week. We'll come back. We'll take our sweet time. <laughs> we'll be really prepared and we'll do it our way. And, you know, this lady is, she's fiery. She's a fiery person who will get quickly agitated and also very quickly will be your friend again. And no big deal. This is just, you know, we yell at each other for a second and then everything's good. And we're cool. <laughs> <laughs> so when we left, oh man, I had so many feelings when we left. So many. In a way, I felt like like I had made a promise that I didn't keep to Luna. And like I had failed her. And I was also genuinely, genuinely scared that we weren't going to be able to get her in the trailer. trailer. <laughs> uh, I think I felt the exact same way. Because I, I did feel like we had made this promise to her to treat her in a certain way. And... And it was nice to have humble Roger there because I was just thinking he kind that. of reminded us that to have compassion with ourselves as well. Because when I think about it, like what this situation was, it's we were trying to do the best thing and we were really thinking about every option. And for me, it was this sort of mix between when do we need to make compromise for the sake of overall well-being and when do we need to stand really firm in our beliefs because there was you know we hadn't asked for three more days like we asked at the end and there was this sense of if we don't get her on the trailer today um there was like a time limit 
and we might not be able to rescue her and bring her back to this life that we knew would be really nice for her. Yeah. So there's this feeling of actual pressure that to me almost felt like like we needed to get her on. Um, and obviously, you know, there's flexibility in that and wanting to ask like, what is the need of this? But, but that pressure of we're on this woman's land, you know, it's kind of up to her whether we stay or go. It's her, you know, we're trying to rescue this horse. And, and she was kind of acting like she needed the horse off. Yeah. And so there's that pressure of, and also that, that, you know, giving someone the trust of, it did feel like when we first agreed to, yes, she could try one more time. We were really worried about taking away the progress we had made and with the promise to Luna to getting, getting her on, um, in a way where she could choose. Yeah. But, um, it did kind of feel like from what the woman was saying that she was on our same page and that she wanted to make it nice for Luna and she wanted to give her choice and and these different things that I did question at the time because I do have the feeling, you know, that what that means to me is different. is different than what it means to like someone who's used to doing traditional horsemanship. Yeah. So I was skeptical, but we kind of made this decision to try um, because if if we had to come back another week, like you and I were down to do that and to take out more time and come back and and really work with her. Because also I knew that Liberty training to me, I think, goes so much faster in general. Like horses pick up things really quickly. But if we were to get Luna to step on the trailer on her own, we were going to have to undo trauma. Yeah. And working through trauma takes longer. And we were going to have to really work on healing that with Luna, which we had been doing that morning and that night and then that morning again. Um but we knew it was going to take a fair bit more time for her to really feel trusting enough to get on. Mm -hmm. And I also left feeling kind of heartbroken Yeah, that we had put Luna through that, especially with the promise we made or felt like we made. Um, I think I also had this fear that, well, if we want to truly give her the option, so she's making the decision to get in the trailer, but really... Can we even give her that option truly because we kind of need her to get in the trailer at some point? Yeah. So it was like we had this parameter that didn't allow for a true promise of choice for her. It's true. 
which is what I really wanted. So true. Because we even talked about at the time, like, we can work so that she'll step in the trailer on her own. But if we look really deeply at this, like, we bought her, basically. Like, adopted, but, like, and one way or the other, she, quote-unquote, needed to get in. Yeah. And... You know, whether that was better for her or worse for her in the long run, I definitely think it's better for her in the long run, but it was a decision we made. Exactly. And at the end of it, there wasn't the true choice for her. Really. Yeah. And I think that that's, I think, one of the thoughts that this whole trip really inspired was you know, how much freedom can we really provide Mm -hmm. and how deep can we go? You know, how much can we question our own intention and how much can we really offer, you know, the horses that we bring to live with us? Yeah. And she, I think she'll continue to teach us you know, and to, she'll continue to inspire this exploration. And all of the horses will continue to inspire that exploration. Um, when we returned, <laughs> we took three days, and you had to be back on the third day at a certain time. <laughs> And kind of last minute, Luna seemed to truly have made a decision. Yeah. It felt that way to me. It felt like something, like she looked around and he, she thought about it. And she stepped in and she stayed in the trailer. Yeah. And... She let us close the door and she looked a bit nervous. But man, she was just so brave and so. I was just so grateful. That's what happened for me that day. I was so grateful that, um, that she stepped in, you know. I just kept like thanking her. I, yeah. I remember us like, just thanking her, just oh telling her she's amazing and thank you for coming with us. What you were saying before about <clears throat> um, being grateful for the lesson about like questioning what true freedom is, I, I feel so grateful for that. And I feel like that's sort of what you and I right now are really being asked to dive into. And and I, I'm so grateful to be asking those questions and had to have the, um, the chance to look into that more. And when we did return, when we came back the next week, so we basically told the lady after this happened that 
you know, we didn't want to try anything more. We weren't going to get her in the trailer that day and that we were going to come back the next week and we all changed our schedules around and we were going to come back. And I think this time we came in a lot, a lot more decisive because we made the full promise to Luna at that point that we weren't going to add pressure. So I really felt like when I came back, we had made the decision that if she didn't get in, even like at the time limit where I had to drive back home, which was, it's a kind of far drive for all of us, that that was going to be okay. And we would just come back a third week yeah. and we would keep asking. And, you know, maybe at one point if she never got in, that would be that. And, you know, I felt a lot more like we were on that page. Yeah. And we worked her, or not worked her, but we worked on this together. And I do think, you know, it was it was play, but also it was taking a lot of concentration. And Luna was just amazing. We had her at liberty free on this desert road where she could have just, <laughs> she was a wild horse. Like she could just run into the desert and be gone. We had her free on the road with the trailer, not no lead rope. We like really... We were like, okay, now we're coming in and we're going to do it the way that we really, really believe in. And yeah. and we're not, we weren't going to compromise anymore. And that moment, I do think like we, we worked on stepping up on a pedestal and like being okay with the trailer and like always giving her an option to go back to her friends if she needed to, always giving her the option to walk, walk away. away, like not even never pulling her back. And it made such a difference that it really did feel when she, on that last day, at the last time, and I asked her if she'd get in the trailer and everyone was, you know, around just waiting. And and I really had the feeling that she might not get in. And if she didn't, we would just have to come back. Yeah. And I think we were feeling okay with that. Like, yeah. actually okay. When she stepped in, it felt like such a deliberate choice and it, it was incredible, like, especially on the, like, the thanking her, like, because it had been so, like, asking her to trust us with something I think she knew was pretty big. Like, you could yeah. tell she was taking the decision to step in seriously. And yeah. It, and then she did. I think it was so emotional for us because <laughs> picking Luna up and the whole journey of her going into the trailer just felt like a metaphor for what you and I are trying to do with our lives yeah, <laughs> yeah. no pressure <laughs> no pressure Nina's catchphrase no pressure <laughs> It really felt like we were going through a crash course of a lesson that we're now diving into deeper mm -hmm. of how much is even positive persuasion still a form of, is it manipulation still? That has been my biggest question for so long yeah nina and i are i feel so grateful to have nina on this journey because you're i love you so much. i love you so much and and you're so 
aligned with my thought process. And I think you and I like have such similar viewpoints and are questioning such similar things. And I really feel at this point, even with Liberty training, where I'm questioning if any training, I'm questioning all training, like negative reinforcement, you know, the pressure that was definitely, again, solidified in this (laughs) excursion with Luna. It's not, um, don't want to use that pressure. Uh, but also just the idea of even positive reinforcement or, um, any coercion of any sort. Mm -hmm. Like, what are we really looking to get out of that? Right. And what does it really mean for our relationship with horses and, and, and not in a judgmental way of this being good or bad, but more that I think it's so vital that you and I look at this. Yeah, and can we, can we look at really the systems behind, you know, our relationship with horses and all animals? Um, and when we, when we look at these systems... What role do we play? in them Mm -hmm. and what role do we play in keeping these systems functioning even when maybe we disagree Mm -hmm. so you know and then we can just dive deeper into well how do we dismantle this if we don't agree with it and how do we offer alternatives etc etc which will be the next podcast next podcast because we have so much to dive in on this (laughs) it I just, I thought of something that, oh yeah, I remember asking you the question, like, and I really liked your answer of, I was in this mood of like questioning everything with horses, which is kind of like my constant mood. (laughs) And (laughs) I was wondering, like really pondering, what do we get out of riding? Like, what are we really looking for? when we ride. And I think, you know, I don't feel like I have the perfect answer to that question. And it's one that I like to keep thinking of, but I think you texted me back and said something about feeling greater than ourselves. Is that right? You said something. Oh my God. I just remembered that. Yeah. So for the listeners, every now and then Mosey just sends me these like larger than life questions in a text message (laughs) just text them over (laughs) out of nowhere and i have to think about it (laughs) because how could you not think about that i think that was kind of the first thing that came to me was that you know we if we attach ourselves to someone more powerful than ourselves, you know, maybe we feed off of the, or we want to borrow it to, to feel what that's like, you know, Mm -hmm. the first time, time I ever, you know, jumped with a horse. I mean, to this day, there's nothing I think that can compare to that feeling that I've experienced. It Mm -hmm. was, I felt like it was cooler than flying, you know? Yes. Yeah. 
<laughs> it was it was magical to me. It was truly yeah. magical. And um and and for me I think there was, you know, there's an aspect of connection. Um when I think of writing and there's an aspect of becoming more going beyond our own limitations. Mm-hmm. And I and I do want to look into that intention deeper because you know, if that's what I'm looking for, then I really need to ask, well, can I do that in a way that's that's truly consensual? You know? Yeah. <laughs> Snaps for Nina. <laughs> I just, oh, I just love your thought process so much because I just agree so much. I... You know what? Another thing I really love about asking you these questions and us diving into our own answers is that I really feel that we don't have to judge what the answer is. Yeah. Because we're not, I'm not necessarily asking the question like, what are we getting out of riding? Which also leads me to ask, like, what are we getting out of owning horses, you know, or in the whole owning aspect in general from a place of we're doing something wrong and this needs to you know like we need to feel shame about it and we need to judge ourselves but rather I just really want to be aware of what where my intention is and I think through questioning these things and becoming you know as aware as we can of our own um, relationship, the deeper fulfillment we can actually find with the horses, because that's my been my experience so far. You know, there is the idea of like the ignorance being bliss, and sometimes that that kind of calls to me, because I want to go horse camping and riding down the beach and doing all these things so badly. Like on one hand, I want to be like the kid that gets up on the horse and rides around and isn't necessarily like questioning everything. And there's a wisdom in that kid-like energy about it. But on the other hand, if I don't ask these big questions, I feel in denial of something and then when I'm, if I I do go riding and I haven't asked these questions and I haven't really looked at it, I feel misaligned with something in myself. And I think I've come to a point now where I can't pull the rug over my eyes or whatever that expression is. is. I like Wool over my eyes? I I don't don't know. know. (laughs) I can't hide under rugs no more. (laughs) Because... I feel, you know, like every time I ask these questions or I start really contemplating it, like I I feel like, it, you know, you just get a little deeper and I never feel like I'm at the place where, okay, I'm at the deepest now and I'm right and this is the way to do mm-hmm. it. And, you know, I treat, finally we figured out all the questions. All, yeah, I have all the answers and 
now I do this thing called liberty and now I'm correct. Mm -hmm. And, um, because, you know, at the, I was doing my best at the time when I pulled on Annie's bit and I was angry and, and I'm really happy. I questioned, I questioned things at that time because it's led to this really beautiful place that I feel like I'm at now. And now being asked to question even more, I feel like will lead to just an even more meaningful place that I don't know how that's going to look, but it's important to ask the question. And Luna is already asking us to go there. Yeah. She also inspired this thought for me because there's the sense, you know, and, and people ask me like, oh, well, you have a horse now. Like, you know, are you riding? And those questions to me bring up so many things I want to. Sometimes I just want to explain the world to people, you know, when they <laughs> ask me to yeah. ride. And I'm like, you know, part of me wants to just burst out like it's not just about that, you know. Yeah. <laughs> But really what it is, is that, is that I feel so much for her. I feel so much love and so much respect. And um, mainly, I just feel honored to be in her presence, you yeah. know? And so, but when people ask those questions, I get a little bit in my head sometimes as to whether I should be, you know doing something with my horse should I be training my horse should I be you know and and really if I'm really really honest what I want to do right now is just hang and get to know her (laughs) which wouldn't that be the normal start to a relationship (laughs) like I'm gonna get up and ride you now (laughs) it's a bit I mean you know I've had relationships that started that way and they were fine. They're great too. <laughs> they were great too. Um, but I'd I'd like to approach this one um, in a more sustainable way. Yeah. You know, I'd like to. I'd like to just see how she feels about me. Yeah. And and establish a friendship. I think before before I even think about anything else. And the beauty of it is that I truly don't care, <laughs> you know, whether yeah. I'm going to ever ride her or not. I sometimes stand next to her and she's so chunky and beautifully round yeah. and she looks like she would be a really comfy horse. <laughs> and I think, oh, yeah, like that would probably be amazing. Yeah. But it's not it's not at all attached to my love for her yeah and that feels really good you know that feels really really good and I and I want to just nourish that and give myself some time to just be with her and you know coming back to your question of how much training and do we want to train at all is there you know, any real benefit in training. And I wonder if we come at it from a perspective of 
you know, doing training in the most fun way that we possibly can, starting really only with the things that are ultimately going to benefit the horse, mm -hmm. um, like standing still for a vet mm -hmm. or trimming their feet um, and and letting them otherwise just maybe be a bit wild not quite tame not quite tame <laughs> then maybe then maybe we can explore our relationship with them in a way that feels um, more aligned and honest with you know how you and I feel about the world yeah it it's like feeling aligned with how or where we're at now yes yeah and knowing that everything can change everything can change yeah and that's something you and I have talked about the idea of just training for what's necessary Well, yeah, this is a whole nother podcast. I love it. But I'm like, I, I want to dive into all of the ideas we've been thinking about with that because yeah. it's so fascinating. And I think we're going to have this really amazing opportunity to explore a, a relationship with the horse where they are fulfilled without us completely first and, and coming at the relationship, then what? You know, if all their needs are taken care of without us, then where's the truth of our relationship? And yeah. I can't wait to explore that with you yeah. and the horses. And yeah, I think I think it's going to be an amazing... Oh, is there a bug? No. Sorry. <laughs> I think it's going to be a real amazing, amazing journey. Amazing journey. Amazing journey <laughs> with the wild mustangs. With the wild mustangs. I love it. And with the domestic horses that are truly wild at heart too. Yeah. Domestic. 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 What does that mean? Let's dive into that next time. Seriously. We're all domestic right now. How do we untame? Maybe we're not all domestic. I think we're all wild and we're just pretending to be yeah. domestic. Yeah. And that's why we feel a little bit weird. All the time. <laughs> Is that just me? <laughs> That's me too. Um, well, this has been fantastic. Yeah. This is, um, we were, so I was thinking we would talk about, um, so with the idea of speaking up just to wrap this part up. Oh yeah, up. that's what this is yeah. about. <laughs> no, I love where it went like so much more. But I, for me, on that level, I still don't know if I have an answer that's going to be the same in every situation. Yeah. Because I look at when we spoke up in this situation, and part of me, you know, wishes that we had spoken up sooner and that we had been Luna's advocate truly from the beginning and like only in in like doing what was best for her in that sense but I also feel like 
with the human situation and with this being life, we were trying to. And I don't necessarily think that being rigid that it always has to be our one way is necessarily true all the time. Yeah. But I do feel like in this situation, it did teach me to stick more to my values because I think I always say this in training that it's the process that matters, not the end goal. And one thing driving away that first time that I thought about was if it's the process that matters and not the end goal, and and even of thinking like I I wasn't in the mindset that getting her home was the end goal because that felt like the beginning. But in this situation, that was the end goal. And, And if it's the process that matters, then it really did matter how we got her in. And wanting to have it just kind of done and then we'll and then we'll deal with it later is not as aligned with where I feel like we're at now. Yeah, I think we I think we both felt like we compromised a bit. Mm-hmm. And at the same time, I don't know that I would have in a way it feels like I needed to learn that lesson. Mm-hmm. I didn't know that lesson yet. Yeah. And I needed to learn that lesson in order to now know what I know. So do I wish that I could protect Luna from any harm that has ever happened to her? You know, yeah. And she'd be out there in the wild living with her friends and family. And I would love that for her. And that would be the best case scenario for me. That's not the reality of life. And I understand that in the reality that we live in, this was a lesson that I needed to learn. And that will always be with me and always be a reminder that when in doubt probably speaking up will be will will make me feel more aligned with myself than not speaking up yeah it was an important lesson for me too very grateful for it yeah And I think it actually, like, like you said, it was kind of like this mini run for what we're about to be doing, even more so. And very grateful to have, for Luna to have kind of sacrificed a little bit for us to learn that. Mm -hmm. And now she's happy and she's here and she just got a new friend. And I think where she's going to end up, going to be pretty close to second best case scenario. (laughs) Yeah. She could ever have. I think so too. I think she's going to be really <laughs> I wanted to say she's going to be really happy and then I realized that I don't know. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> cuz I don't know shit. But <laughs> um 
But here's what I know, that you and I will truly do our best always and, you know, stick true to, to the promise that we made. Mm-hmm. And we will do our best and it's it's not going to be perfect and I'm mm-hmm. sure we're going to make mistakes. And Lots of mistakes. Yeah. Mistakes are so okay, though. Yeah, they're <laughs> like, so okay. They're so okay. Yeah. Good, bad, who's to say? I love, love that. No good or bad. Let's get that out of our vocabulary. <laughs> it's so, so hard. Like yeah. That's something that I, um, I'm trying really hard not to say, like, good girl mm-hmm. to my horses because, oh, that is my go-to. Like, just be like, good girl, good girl, good girl. And as I'm, like, questioning the, the idea of good and bad a lot more, I'm like, I want to change that word because they're good girls either way. Yeah. And, and I mean it that way. Like, I'll say good girl. No, like, it doesn't matter if they're doing something. It's just something I say. But maybe I should just say... Mm, perfectly flawed and amazing as you are, girl. <laughs> that not very smooth. I don't know. It anyway. might take a while to change that vocabulary, but brilliant girl. Yeah, it'll take some time. Maybe the idea of of good and bad is something that I think both you and I have written about, and yeah, is um. Yet again, another podcast because there's there's a lot there, I think, and there's a lot of psychology um, behind that. And I think language in general is something that we both would consider to be important, powerful and shaping of how we actually feel. I completely agree. Yeah. Well, Nina, thank you so much. <laughs> what a pleasure. The podcast. I love you. I love you. (laughs) And uh, yeah, if you want to find Nina, where can they find you? (laughs) Um, Well, Instagram is probably where I'm most. Hit her up on the Insta. Instagram, (laughs) which would be Animal Alchemy. At Animal Alchemy. That's it. Check it out. I'm like, I'm changing my website. I'm doing a whole bunch of new things life is changing constantly so i'm on instagram on instagram keep up with all those changes keep up with my status (laughs) starting to feel weird (laughs) okay thank you we need to take a nap bye thank you everyone for listening if you like the episode if you feel like rating and reviewing and sharing with your friends it's so appreciated and it really helps the podcast out and really yeah I love it. I love reading what you guys have to say because this is great and I love connecting with you. So thank you all and I will see you next week. Bye. Bye.